0: God is good, all the time. and all the time, let us pray. Gracious and holy God, we thank you for the beautiful land in which you have provided, that we anticipate, that we in one way can't wait. We also, Lord, remember those who have spent time there with you now. Those dear to our hearts, those close to our family those, Lord, who have impacted this church in many vital ways. So we come giving thanks to them, but most of all, thanks to you and their home with you and the opportunities we have today to share, to remember, and to be thankful. Lord, I pray that you set my voice aside, that we may hear your voice loud and clear this morning. In your name I pray. Amen. Over 20 years ago, Tom Brokaw wrote an excellent book titled, The Greatest Generation. Maybe you've heard of it, maybe you've had it, and you've read it, but it's been a long time. Let me remind you, it was a generation born at the beginning of the 20th century who came of age during the Great Depression and courageously played their part in winning World War II. These are the ones, the women and men, he said, who were willingly gave their lives, gave their limbs, and gave their sweet nightly dreams of childhood over to the enduring nightmare of war. They protected the home of the brave, the land of the free, so that we could grow up in safety, democracy, and prosperity. Their endeavors shaped the future of this very country. Tom Brokaw then says, it was a generation... United not only by a common purpose, but by common values. Values such as courage and economy, duty and honor, service, love of family and country, and above all, responsibility for oneself. They accomplished so much, but so little little clamored for attention, given all that they had done. What identifies today's generations? What identifies today's generations? And what unites us as our own generations? In other words, what will your generation, what will my generation be known for in years to come? As we gather on this All Saints Sunday, We remember those who have gone before us for many generations. The differences that their lives have made, their commitment, their sacrifice, their dedication, their example. They've touched our lives. We are not the same. The places we live, the places we worship, the schools that we go to, and the communities that we are a part of are better because they have lived. In today's scripture, Paul is at the end of his life journey. He knows it, and he's passing the charge on to Timothy. His reflection not only reminds us of those who've gone before us, but of the life that each of us is called to live. That when we come to the end of our journey, we can say the same words that Paul said. I invite you to hear these words, words that you've probably heard before, but hear them again anew this morning, as they come from the New Testament book of Second Timothy, chapter four, verses six through eight. I hope you'll follow along with me in the scriptures that are before you or that you have brought with you. Second Timothy chapter four, verse six. "As for me, I am already being poured out as a libation, and the time of my departure has come. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. From now on, there is reserved for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give me on that day, and not only to me, but also to all who have longed for his appearing. This is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks Thanks be to God. When you come to the end of your life and perhaps have the privilege to reflect on those days, what do you think would come to mind? What thoughts, what aspirations might you have or consider? Have I made a difference? Has what i done in my life mattered? Will anybody remember me? Will anything that I have done have a long-lasting What if I told you this morning that you can have confidence that the answer to those questions is yes? Today's scripture, Paul's journey is coming to an end. He's confident of the job he's done, of where he's headed and what lies ahead. Confidence at the end of life is a gift. It's a gift that you and I can have. And Paul in these verses begins to show us how. Look at verse 6 if you've got your scripture still open this morning. Paul says, "Out, I'm already, says, I'm already being poured out as a libation. What's a libation? A libation is a sacrifice. It was a common tradition in the Roman meal that after the meal, a cup of wine was poured out onto the ground in honor of the gods, the little g gods. Paul, in other words, is using the same imagery that his life at the end has been poured out as a sacrifice to God, the God of the heaven and the earth. Paul's offered everything to God. His mind, his time, his body. He's even devoted his heart The only thing left for Paul was life itself. And he was happy to even give that to God. Then Paul says this. The time of my departure is at hand. Death was a release for Paul. Time to rest from the toil. Do you remember Paul and the journeys that he made? The multiple missionary journeys and the places that he went? Along his way as he tried to make money for himself he was a tent maker and the the words that he used today is almost like the loosening of a tent that has been staked to the world and his desire that his greatest journey is ahead of him to one that leads to God and then he says these three things I have fought the good fight I have finished the race I have kept the faith Paul loves the use of athletic imagery, whether he participated himself or it was a common practice around. People could relate to it there in the Bible, and people can relate to it today, right? Did something happen yesterday in Memphis? I hope you know what, because uh, it seemed to dominate the news of the game day and, and the game that took place last night. The excitements and the celebration and the stories that led up to this event. Do you remember another sporting event that concluded this week on Wednesday? Anybody remember? World Series. World series. You do remember. <laughs> I felt like with game day that everything else didn't matter anymore. It was all focused on what was happening last night. It was the World Series. The Nationals and the Astros in Washington won in game seven. Some called it one of the greatest series of all times. It's the stories, it's those backstories that make the celebration so powerful. I confess, I don't keep up with baseball until postseason and then for some reason I get interested and and I wanna know about the teams and the players and what's taking place. Washington's record was 19 and 31. Their season was over, they were out and somehow they squeaked in as a wild card. Somehow they won that game and they were behind in all five of their elimination games in the postseason and they pulled each of them out. Do you remember their mantra? This is what caught my attention. Anybody remember what their their mantra was for their season? Finish the fight. Finish the fight or stay in the fight. Stay in the fight. That reminds me of Paul's words. I fought the good fight. They fought the good fights till the end. Paul said, I have fought the good fight and has lived a life worthy. In other words, a life of discipline. We're aware of the discipline that an athlete must undergo in order to uh, pursue and finish the race, to be in shape, to compete, to be successful. Paul portrayed his life as a life of discipline. Discipline is a disciple that must strive to be an effective witness. Paul even set his own life as a model for those of us to follow. So what is it in our life that needs to come under discipline? What is it in our life that we need to practice that life of discipline for us to be an effective witness? How's your prayer life? How's your reading of God's Word life? What are other disciplines that you might seek to undertake as fasting and confession and many others? It's a reminder today of the crucial importance those are On our own journey. This journey called life. And they become part of our common values. It's hard to keep these up alone. It's hard to make the journey alone. It's in a supportive and nurturing community. That these values, these disciplines. Can be effective in nurturing our faith. To the maximum. If you saw some of the game day activities on the TV, they talked about strength coaches. Each football team has a strength coach and the importance of the strength coach is obviously through the season and preparing, but it's so important of those six months when they're not in season. Not only getting them in shape, but the mental aspect that goes along with the preparation. It made me think of as Christians and as the church, we need discipline coaches. Not for those who are in trouble, but I'm talking the spiritual disciplines to lead us and guide us and prepare us in effectively using them in our own faithful journey to fight the good fight. Not just on Sunday mornings, not just in seasonal holidays, but all year through. Next, Paul said, I've finished the race. I finished the race. Notice that Paul says he's finished the race, not that he won the race. That the importance to Paul here is the participation and the journey. It's how we live our life that matters. I know athletes get a lot of glory and a a lot of fame and a lot of promotion. But it's got to be a hard life of many ups and downs. Days when injuries can put you on hold or totally ruin your career. There's bad games and critics and doubters. One has to keep the end in mind and finish the race to have a, tr- have a chance at reaching what they have been training for. But along the way, the importance is not to compromise one's values. One thing I, I do like about these big events that take place are the stories that come from them. Yesterday, there's a lot of hype, obviously, about Kenny Gainwell, the Memphis Tiger running back, and his success on the field. But also they showed a backstory of his motivation and inspiration from his brother who suffered a stroke and has been an important part of his life. Maybe you remember Daniel Hudson. Daniel Hudson was one of the pitchers for the Washington Nationals. He pitched the last inning as they won the game and pitched many of the the games in the postseason. But two weeks earlier, he had 48 hours of craziness. His wife was having their third child. He flew to Phoenix to be with her. And he gave up being in game one of the National National League Championship Series. He was supposed to be pitching against St. Louis. But he chose to be with her. There are a lot of critics. There are a lot of naysayers. There are a lot of people who said he shouldn't have given that up and risked the loss of his team and not being present. But it seemed he kept what was more important in mind. Along our Christian journey, we'll have bad days. We'll have injuries. We'll have critics. We'll have doubters. We'll have naysayers. We'll have challenges. We'll have temptations. But we must press on to completion of the life journey of what's most important in keeping that in mind. And that's our common purpose and our common values. In other words, we seek and strive to keep the faith. That's what Paul is telling us of fighting the good fight, of finishing the race, and of keeping the faith. Athletes sometimes sell themselves short. Institutions or our coaches sometimes try to cut corners. We seek to compromise or circumvent the process. But we know the effects that that has in the long run. And one must keep the faith and stay true to their training. You know, a baseball game or a football game is won or lost as a team if they can stay focused on and execute their common purpose and common values. One doesn't need to do it alone. In the end, it's not about winning or losing. It's about how you play the game. How many times have we heard that? How many times have we been told that? But when it's the game of life, it especially becomes True. True. That's what the game of life is about, of staying true to the one who's called us, who's formed us, who leads us, and who pours his grace upon us. It's not about what I did. It's not about what you accomplished. It's not about what, is deba- what has to be done. But it's about the one whom I serve and the one who's honored because of it. When we seek to live a life, when we seek to live a life well lived, then there's reserved for me, Paul says, a crown of righteousness. A crown of righteousness. It seems the emphasis in athletics is you win the medal, you win the goal, you win the trophy, you win the series. But for those who seek to follow Christ, it's about wearing a crown of righteousness. In the first Olympic Games, you probably know this, that they didn't win medals, but they, they won these crown of laurel leaves. The big difference for Christians today as athletes, and for athletes, is athletes earn their trophies. They, they earn their series wins. But Paul reminds us only the Lord, the righteous judge, can give us the crowns of righteousness. We cannot earn them. And I'm a community group, so we are reminded this week that there's nothing we can do for God to love us more or less. Death is not something we like to talk about. It's not something a subject that we often bring up. As we remember that, we remember those in our own life who've died. The emotions. Perhaps the uncertainty. Perhaps even the fear. But it doesn't have to. We can have that certainty. We can have that assurance. We've got a lot to learn from those who've gone before us. We need to continue to tell their stories and keep their memory alive. We need to celebrate their lives in the past and how they've impacted us. We gather today to give God thanks for each year that we had with them. May we cherish their memory and cherish their influence and how they've molded our lives for the better. And we, may we, too, be motivated to have those hard conversations with those who are alive now before they die. So today, our challenge is to follow the example of the saints who've gone before us. And Paul's example of fighting the good fight, of finishing the race, of keeping the faith. That we may have confidence, as Paul said, that what lies ahead of each of us truly is a crown of righteousness that only God can give us. That, to me, is the sign of the greatest generation. That, to me, is the sign in which our journey has been faithful And that is the reward for each of us of a life well lived. This is true whether you're a Washington National or a Houston Astro. This is true of whether you're a Tiger fan or a Mustang fan. If we keep our minds focused on common purpose and common values, then those who go before us and those who come after us will be able to join us in saying, as Paul said, From now on, there is reserved for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give me on that day, and not only to me, but to all who've longed for his appearing. What do you long for? What do you yearn for? We remember those who've gone behind us, we remember the foundation they've built. What is it that we as a generation and generations will be known for? May Christ be our strength coach each step along the way. Let us pray. Lord, we thank you for the power of memory and the influence of relationships. And the impact of love that's had on our heart and our life and our community. We are grateful for those who have gone before us. And Lord, we are challenged to continue to fight that good fight. Lord, we know there's tough roads ahead. We know there's great opportunities ahead. So help us to be faithful, to rely upon you. And to keep going forward. Lord help us to stay in the fight. In your name we pray. Amen.